As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Her American Story, a podcast where first and second generation American women share their stories about growing up in the United States. I'm your host, Jasmine. To learn more about my guests, visit HerAmericanStory.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at HerAMStory. Feedback, would you like to be on the show? Send me an email, HerAmericanStory at gmail.com. I've got another great story for you today, so let's get started. Hi, welcome to Her American Story. Today we have Sanal Patel. I'm going to start by having her introduce herself. Hi, um, so my name is Sonal Patel and I am a pediatrician practicing out here in Denver, Colorado. That's wonderful. Now tell us a little bit about your history as far as where you were born, where you were raised. Yes, so I was born in Lucknow, India. My parents are both physicians and they met there at in Lucknow at the med school. Um, I lived in Agra, India for until I was four and five. And Agra, India might be familiar to many of your guests because that's where the Taj Mahal is. And I had the privilege of seeing the Taj Mahal every night through um, my rooftop. So that was a. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) You actually did not realize that such what a unique experience was that until now as an adult and people oh, talk about yeah. this. When you're young, you just don't know. <laughs> you just don't know. And you're just like, wow, I have the Taj Mahal as my view. And I did not even appreciate that. <laughs> so um, thereafter, my mom's family um, and the Holler brothers were in the States and she really wanted to come here. Um, but my dad's family is, was all in India. So mm-hmm. my dad didn't directly want to come to the States. I think he wanted to forge his own path. So she, he gave her the choice of either we could go to Jamaica or Nigeria. Wonderful choices, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we actually ended up in Nigeria, in Joss, Nigeria. And oh, wow. Yes. And in India, the, after you graduate from med school, you actually have two options. Either you can do residency or you can teach. So my mom decided to continue her path to doing residency, and she's OB trained, but my dad decided to teach, so he taught med school, and so when we landed in Joss, Nigeria, that was his position. He was a professor and teaching all the future doctors there, and Mm -hmm. we actually had a very tragic incident happen in Joss, Nigeria, which made us flee. Oh gosh, this gets, <laughs> sometimes I don't realize I had PTSD from it. Um, oh, at wow. that time, 
it was in the 80s and initially it was a very lucrative um, country because of the oil and Mm -hmm. there was a lot of unrest that occurred because of shift of power and what we found ourselves was in a country with a lot of upheaval Mm -hmm. and we had an incident where they're called um, dakus or kadekis as we call them Um, basically um, rebels that came to our home and um, with guns pointed at us. Um, oh, and, wow. Yeah, at this point, I was about seven, seven and a half, eight. Mm-hmm. And I still remember that incident. Um, and they pointed guns at us. And for some reason, I, because of my schooling, we were, both countries were British ruled. We, I actually did a lot of Christian um, schooling. And mm-hmm. I just remember singing, Jesus loves me. <laughs> and for <laughs> some reason, that offset them and they spared our family. They robbed us totally. And come to find out the next morning, our neighbors were all killed. So, Oh, my oh goodness. My goodness. That yeah. was awful. So that was just, um, I mean, and then you won't believe which country we ended up in. So we decided to <laughs> Libya of all places. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> so we ended up in Benghazi, Libya, and during this time, I had visited the states, and I remember one incident there when we came, and um, I just remember saying in the cab ride that, "Hey, mom, this looks a lot like America," and mm-hmm. the minute I said America, my mom hushed me up completely, and you said never utter that word here ever because this was oh. under Qaddafi. So, oh. yeah. So, it, I mean, it was pristine. Benghazi is this beautiful, what I remember, just a beautiful country. I mean, a beautiful mm-hmm. city. It lies on the Mediterranean Sea right opposite of um, the Italian countries. Mm-hmm. And, and it was beautiful. And in African countries, the Indian culture and Bollywood is huge. So we had six or seven theaters and only one played American movies and the rest played Indian movies. So it felt oh, wow. more home rather than yeah. something that was um, a foreign. So mm-hmm. um, it was a very interesting um, and neat experience. And it, it was really astounding that I didn't actually feel like an outsider there because it was, I mean, Indian stuff was everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, except you could not mention America. Um, wow. So then we finally... Um, Coincidentally, my dad, where he taught in Nigeria, the chairman was a visiting chairman from Omaha, Nebraska. And he told my dad that if he ever came to the States, he would offer him a position as a PhD Mm -hmm. um, or a grad student in order to get his PhD. And so that's why everybody asks me, how did you end up in Omaha, Nebraska, right in the middle (laughs) of everything, especially when Indians would migrate in the 80s, it'd be either in the East Coast or the West Coast, right? Right, Like right in Midwest, um, dead center of the Midwest almost. So that's that's how we ended up there. And currently my both parents, um, my dad still teaches and they're both practicing physicians. So um, yeah, so my childhood was a little, blotted with a lot of travel and then yeah, it sounds like, like it. <laughs> interesting travels and then nine and ten um I started being raised in Omaha Nebraska and I just remember the dichotomy of being raised in a place where my skin color was something like I mean 
uh, at this time, Indians were, I mean, not, not regarded as just like, odd, like an odd thing. Like, who are you? <laughs> you know, because you really yeah. aren't African-Americans and you really aren't Hispanic. You're Asian. And, but mm-hmm. it's not Asian that you see, you know, just like Japanese or Chinese Asians. You're different. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and the, I remember the minute we used to come home, my mom would be like, nope, America stops and India starts. Like, <laughs> like that's how it was. And you were like, what, do, well, what does that mean? It means, well, you don't watch TV Monday to Thursday when there's a school night and you do homework and you do your chores and you go to bed on time. And education was just um, the utmost, if you didn't make, oh, I'm so sorry. If you didn't that's make... Okay. If you made less than an A, a I mean, I think a lot of Indians can relate to that. It was oh, definitely, like, yeah. You know? And it's like, I still remember my brother would come home with like 100% and she's like, wasn't there extra credit on it? And you're just like, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like, is there any way you could have gotten extra credit? Um, and so it was just interesting. Um, and so living in Omaha, Nebraska, there were times where I remember you went into stores and you were followed around and initially it didn't occur to me what was going on uh, mm-hmm. just because you're just like, okay, they might be wanting to help us, right? Yeah, right. So you're trying to be, think of the positive. <laughs> exactly. Because you're still a child mm-hmm. and they still started coming around as a teenager realizing like, oh, they're following me around, and especially when my brother was with me or my dad was with me. Mm-hmm. for other reasons than just trying to help. And right. it just became more it became more of an awkward kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, now you reflect back on it, and it's just, I, I think the best word is interesting. I think it was more of a lack of education, more of a lack of who we are uh, mm-hmm. as Indians and what we represent. And in to have some of those barriers um, dismantled actually would have been helpful at that point in time. So, Now, were you the only family, Indian family, in that community, or were there some other ones? No, they actually were some other ones as well. Mm-hmm. And the thing that brought most Indians there was the medical center. So now, oh, when, wow. okay. yeah, now when you go back to Omaha, now this is – this is in the 80s, and so this is about 30 to 40 years in the making. Mm-hmm. And the most of the Indian population that is there are very well educated. They're mostly physicians or business owners, and mm-hmm. that's what comprises Omaha currently. And it was this draw of the medical center um, mm-hmm. part of it to come there. So initially we did start off as um, – few Indians and I feel like an old timer talking about Omaha but there really is this uh, Omaha for geographical uh, purposes it's borders right on with Iowa and the Missouri mm-hmm. River transects Iowa and um, Nebraska so it's Omaha on one side and Council Bluffs on the other and so mm-hmm. there's not much way of expansion to the east part of Omaha since the river's there and then you hit Iowa so there's mm-hmm. a lot of expansion on the west and I remember that the streets are gridded there. So you go from first to um, however. And mm-hmm. we would have long drives and it would be 
oh, we're going beyond 50th or 60th Street and it would be just all farmland. And Mm -hmm. now you go to Omaha and it's like 200th Street, 300th Street. Now you're encroaching in other um, smaller cities over there. Uh, Elkhorn. It's a lot of expansion. Yes, it's it's huge. Elkhorn used to be, oh, we're going to go to Elkhorn for a drive. And it was 20 miles. And yeah. now it's just like, well, the Elkhorn's right next to us. <laughs> so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so at the, in those scenarios, it's, uh, I feel like an old timer talking about Omaha. <laughs> <laughs> like back in the day. Back in the day, <laughs> right. When the hay, when the was right in our backyard. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> but yeah, and so that was, it. I went to a private school and um, my parents both, uh, though they were physicians, my mom took about four years off when she came to the States because my brother was pretty young at that time. And, mm-hmm. and then my dad's salary was about $400 a month or so. Oh, wow. And okay. so we actually lived in an apartment. Um, my dad actually tricked the landlord lady and said that, oh, it was just me and my wife. And at this point, I was, so my parents moved to Omaha first, and I lived with my uncle in New Haven, Connecticut for a year before I joined them. And mm-hmm. my, then, then go and behold, the landlord, landlady sees my dad, my mom, and my little brother. And mm-hmm. Um, and then a year later, I joined, and her concern was that we lived in an apartment that was 350 square feet. Yeah, that's a small, um, yeah, it's a small space. It's a very small space. My parents slept on a sofa bed for about six years, mm-hmm. and me and my brother shared a room that had a bunk bed, and um, my parents were just saving so they could send us to private school, and when we would go to private school, my all the other people are more affluent, and they'd be like, "What do your parents do?" And be like, "Oh, they're doctors," but they wouldn't. I would never invite anyone over, right? Because mm-hmm, right, I didn't. Right. And we would drive a very old, beat-up car that my dad barely like. When it was time to sell it, he literally had to donate it because nobody would buy it from him. <laughs> <laughs> Even for like, I think he'd like for a hundred bucks, they were like, "Nope, that's not even worth it." <laughs> Uh, so that was that was very interesting going to a very affluent school where you had uh, I mean you had people that had literally their names on buildings in Omaha mm-hmm. and being picked up and I remember when we first got our newer car it was a Ford 89 car and it was yeah. a used car and me and my brother would be like could you please just pick us up in that <laughs> like we did not <laughs> picked up in anything else um, yeah and so I shared a room with my brother until college actually so oh wow yeah. so we moved from a 350 400 square foot apartment um the landlady's mom used to live um in the floor above us mm-hmm. and when she passed away uh, we shifted to her uh her space, which is now roughly a thousand square feet, um, mm-hmm. but two bedrooms, so we still shared a room. And yeah. when when I went to college, is when my parents decided to actually buy a house, and the movers just all our furniture fits. So we moved from a thousand square foot home, uh, apartment 
to yeah. a 4,000 square foot home. Oh, oh my goodness. Yes. And my, that's a change. That is a huge change. And the movers were like, they moved all our stuff and it fit in one of the rooms. And they're like, are you sure this is your house? <laughs> like, <laughs> are you sure that this is where you live? <laughs> like, you need more furniture. <laughs> <laughs> And so, yeah, so me and my, my brother and I, I mean, all my high school, everything went through going through puberty, going through all of that was not very private because we lived. Yeah, that's got to be hard. Oh, my God. I mean, yes. And he's five years younger than I am. So um, it was, I'm trying to hide stuff and he's finding it. And he's like, what's this? <laughs> You're just like, <laughs> <"That's laughs> <that way." laughs> You don't need to know. You don't I don't want to talk about it. it. Right. <laughs> yeah, so I had my first room in the States, um, sophomore year of college. <laughs> that must have felt great. Oh, my God. Well, it, the funny thing is, like, the first six months, we still were sharing rooms because we didn't know any better. <laughs> we're just like, all right. It's like, no, your room's there. And we got like, yeah, we know mom and dad. <laughs> so, like, well, you get used to it, too. You get used to sleeping near somebody. somebody yes. You know, as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes. Yes, most definitely. So, so yes. So, that's kind of the highlights. What else can I tell you? Because I do have a lot of stories. Sure. Well, I'm really curious as far as, so there were other Indian families. Did you feel like you had representation in your community as far as from um, other female Indian women, American women? You know, the families were there. And I think yeah. the where we lived in our location, just because my parents Though we're doctors, we're not making, you know, in the 80s, the doctors actually in private practice would make a lot of, um, were very comfortable. And mm -hmm. we, we couldn't afford to live there because initially my mom wasn't practicing because um, it was expensive to send my brother to daycare. And right. my dad was bringing home $400, $500 salary. Um, mm -hmm. working as a graduate student. So I didn't have the opportunity to meet 
those Indian families. And when we did, it was in at school and you couldn't, I really didn't have the, the role model in mm-hmm. essence um, because we didn't even invite people to our home because it was so tiny. Sure. But, yeah. The, yeah. the strongest role model, I mean, I think people always go back to it, but it's who's in front of you. And it was my mom. Mm-hmm. And she had yeah. this strong will to come to the States. We lived in we lived in luxury in India and Nigeria. We really did. Mm-hmm. We had servants. We had nannies. We had everything in our beck and call. And mm-hmm. to leave that, to come to the States and live in a 350-square-foot apartment and not, I mean, I've had a room up till the States, you know, I've yeah. had everything in my fingertips. Um, but her determination to come here. And then I remember, so Indians, usually, you know, we, we didn't really, my mom didn't wear Western clothes and she went on an interview and somebody told her, this is for her residency position. Mm-hmm. And somebody told her that she looked silly in a skirt so wow. she naively put on jeans. Mm-hmm. And could you imagine interviewing a resident in jeans? <laughs> you know? And it was we have these weird standards. standards. Yeah, right. it's true. And yeah. it was she didn't get she didn't get that position. And um she fought on, she fought on, and I mean they had to at that time they had to pass a TOEFL. They had to mm-hmm. pass not only all the um uh all the other medical school tests just to prove themselves, mm-hmm. but everything and her dedication to just keep fighting to be, there was times when our visa was in a jeopardy. I remember um, it was like, Oh, my mom would have to go back to India for a year. And at oh, this wow. time I'm 12 and I think I was 11 or 12. And I was like, well, I, I can't live without my mom. I need my mom. Like, I, I can't do that. But we had a lot of um, visa issues. And the reason was that somehow somebody in New Jersey had the same name as my dad. And not only mm-hmm. that, but my his dad's, their dad's name was the same. So our application oh. took years to process because of that. Oh my goodness. Um, and so I saw my parents go through all the immigration issues that I see other um, fellow uh, doctors that come from different countries that have to go through. Mm-hmm. But more on top, they had to take all those ridiculous exams to prove that they could speak English right. or they could understand English. Um, and so to constantly, for my mom to constantly, as an Indian, I mean, she's five foot two, so she's pretty short. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) and to constantly prove herself in a very white Caucasian male driven institution Mm -hmm. um, I mean she I would come back and she would sometimes be like oh my god they call me abrasive or they call me um, very strong but she she was just advocating for her patients and Mm -hmm. you could tell you could tell that Uh, and that was very eye opening and that she was my absolutely best role model is, you know, we hear this all the time. It's like women are labeled so many words just because we were advocating for something that we really truly believe in. And mm-hmm, definitely, you know, and it was just, you could see it. And not only was she fighting all those stereotypes, but she's on top of 
bad, I mean, a colored woman. Like, you have to mm-hmm. say it. You have to kind of call it. Um, mm-hmm. And the other reason she brought us over was that in India, it's very competitive. Like, the system mm-hmm. is very competitive. And I guess she knew right. I, I wouldn't be able to handle it. So she was just <laughs> like, you know, for my kid, for my daughter. She was anticipating. <laughs> she was just like, I was... Uh, um, yeah, so it was there. I mean, the so she was actually my biggest role model just because we were secluded from the affluent part of where the other Indians lived. Um, mm-hmm. And the other person that was a somewhat of a role model to me, and I, I think it's it's um, you don't realize it. It was my childhood friend, and her name is uh, Kiana, and she was an African American. Um, girl and now a woman obviously Mm -hmm. um and she was the only well she and two other girls two other girls in our in the private school were indian and Mm -hmm. then it was her and um she i mean it was her strength and a determination just at that age and it was mind-blowing it's like how do you know yourself so well she actually Mm -hmm. taught she taught me how to say no I was one of those Indian girls that is very depicted and very timid, <laughs> very like, oh, yes, I want I was a big pleaser. Yeah, people and, pleaser. People yeah. pleaser. Like, I just, I'm like, I was always chatty. I always wanted to please the aunties and the uncles. And mm-hmm. um, she taught me how to say no because she saw how people were bulldozing me. And mm-hmm. the way she taught me how to say no was, buy french fries so in um school i used to get some french fries and she would say can i have a french fry i was like yeah sure she goes no say no say no (laughs) what a confident little girl oh my gosh she's i mean i was just like i was like no she's like no say it strongly you've got to learn to say no Oh, oh wow! And, <laughs> That's um, awesome. Yes, and you don't get taught that lesson, and no, no adult's gonna look at you and teach you that lesson. Right. But for her to be that confident in the seventh and eighth grade to teach me how to say no has really helped me. Um, just helped me throughout. I mean, obviously, I am still a person pleaser because that's inherently who I am. But mm-hmm. I've learned to say no and and be okay with it and say mm-hmm. this doesn't jive with me. So, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So just in my small little world, it was those two people, my mom and my friend Kiana, who, by the way, I'm going to p- put a plug in for her. She's yeah. She is a on, if you're ever in New York and on Broadway, she stars in Come From Away, which is an, so am- cool. yes, which is an amazing musical um, based on 9-11 and Newfoundland and how at that time all the planes were diverted there and how mm-hmm. this little sleepy town Hosted over sixty thousand guests, um, but yeah, she's she is um, she's one of the stars of that play. So oh wow, she sounds like an amazing woman. <laughs> oh, she is. Yes, it's, we could have a whole show just about her. <laughs> so hey everyone, I really do hope you love her American story. Did you know that you can actually get paid for listening to this podcast? I know it sounds insane, but it's true. I just discovered this free new app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. Here's how it works. You listen to podcasts and you earn PodCoin while you listen. Then you turn that PodCoin in for gift cards at places like Amazon or Starbucks. Or if you're a really good person, you could even donate that PodCoin to charity. The more you listen, the more you earn. So here's what you do. 
Download the app right now on iPhone or Android, and I have a special code for you. Simply use our code HERSTORYPOD, and you'll get 300 PodCoin just for signing up. And if you listen to enough of us on there, you can get a cappuccino at Starbucks or an Amazon gift card on us. So go ahead and go listen to this podcast or virtually any podcast on PodCoin and sign up with the code HERSTORYPOD. That's H-E-R-S-T-O-R-Y-P-O-D. I swear it'll change the way you listen to podcasts. So I grew up in a really small town. Well, it's not a small town anymore, but um, I'm from Reno, Nevada. Uh And there weren't a lot of Indian or Pakistani people there when I was young. And so I tended to always gravitate towards whoever was different. Yeah. (laughs) Whoever wasn't just Caucasian, American, you know, anybody different. Did you find that to be the case for yourself? I think so, because Kiana was my good friend, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and also, no, and, and even that, not even that, but I gravit- I I totally agree with you, because I would gravitate just the one that, you know, we had um, a girl that had probably had some, now when you reflect back, now that as a pediatrician I know much, probably had a VP shunt placed in her at some point. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and because she would get, like, the, uh, she told me she would get, yearly MRIs um, Mm -hmm. and she had a scar um, in her skull and so now you put pieces together but we would always partner up in most cases because she was the one always left behind and Mm -hmm. I'd be like okay yeah I'm gonna pair up with you I was never one of the more popular girls or never went in the popular clique and Mm -hmm. and I totally agree with you because you just didn't I don't know there's it's like you're different so let's difference Let's gravitate to that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be different together. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, what was your high school, school experience, experience like? like? Oh, my God. My high school, we graduated. Now the school is much, uh, well, not much bigger, but bigger than I mine. But my high school graduation was 25 people. Oh, oh my, my goodness. goodness. Yes. Wow. wow. That's a small class. class. Yeah. Two years before us was 10. <laughs> Whoa. So this was a private, private school, school, right? Yes. Yes. So um, it was. 25 people, there was one other Indian girl in my class, and we knew them um, socially as well, Uh, Mm -hmm. but she was raised in Omaha, and, you know, she just had a a different lifestyle, wonderful person, but she was the popular girl. (laughs) She was was the Indian that had more Americanized than I had, Mm -hmm. Um, and and also, like, she was allowed to do more stuff than I, I did. Like, my mom said, no. Like, after 8 o'clock, you're not going out unless if it's for a school sport. So, right, like, right. like, Friday nights, it was, yeah, what do you mean you're going out for a movie? That's ridiculous. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but everybody goes to the movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that was, I mean, um, and then there was another Asian guy in there um, and myself. And that was it. So yeah. and the rest were Caucasians. So, um, yeah. So was, so was there, there ever a, a you, you married, married your high school sweetheart, sweetheart right? right? My college sweetheart. College, college sweetheart. sweetheart. Okay. So, so how? So, so tell, tell me, how did you meet your college sweetheart? sweetheart? So, I ended up going to Emory for college, and okay. the reason for that was my dad had um, ex- gotten a job down in Macon, Georgia, to teach in their med school. Oh, wow, oh, Macon. Yes. <laughs> um, I said yes, and he said no. So, <laughs> so I ended up going to Emory um, 
and I, I honestly think now that Emerisa was competitive, the only reason that they accepted me at that point was because they needed a check mark for all the uh, states. <laughs> like, oh, whatever. <laughs> I'm sure you're very smart. They <laughs> were like, oh, an Indian girl from Nebraska. We don't have one of those. <laughs> so it was that. And I, like you said, um, I only had the ability to explore my culture through my parents, you know, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of people didn't understand. Like I didn't even date my first date. And, and I think that's part of the Indian Pakistani culture too. You just don't date, right? Like right. Everybody else around you is dating. And I ended up dating, my first date was prom. And I yeah, think yeah. I ended up being gay too. So I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like a safe date also. Yeah, yeah. your mom's like, this one's good. good. <laughs> I just remember, I I mean, it was, it's in Atlanta, first of all. So in Atlanta right. Harbor, such an enormous Southeast Asian culture. And right. to be dropped into there and being like, oh my God, there's so many Indians and Pakistanis here. They're like, yeah. it yeah. was just literally overwhelming. And you're just, mm-hmm. and I did all the Indian stuff and Pakistani stuff. I joined, I was in a Pakistani um fashion show I was in the Indian dancing I mean it was just like I felt like I found my group and I found my piece you know (laughs) and it was just like my goodness this is what I've been missing Mm -hmm. and um the funny story is and I think most of your audience might know this and if you guys don't know this google him but uh there's a famous movie actor named Shah Rukh Khan Oh, I'm, oh, I'm sure everybody knows. Yes. <laughs> and my husband actually looks like him. Oh, I know he's kind of a lookalike. He's six two, but there are instances where, um, especially when he was in college with the bushy hair and Sharuk and Dovale had that bushy yeah, hair. Yeah. <laughs> Even we were having dinner with friends the other day, and their kids—they're introducing their kids to um, Indian movies—and they were like. Oh my God! They said that's Uncle Manesh. I was just, so I, the rumor was there was a guy that looked like Shah Rukh Khan on campus, and uh, yeah. Yeah. everybody's like, "Have you seen him? Have you seen him?" And it turned out that he lived. Um, our our dorm room was four floors, and so I lived. It was girl boy, girl boy, and so I lived mm-hmm. on the fourth floor. And he lived at the bottom floor. And okay. literally, my first words to me was like, oh, you're the guy everybody's saying like, looks like Shah Khan. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we started. So I have to tell you, so any parents who are listening to this, please, please, please don't be as rigid Indian and Pakistani parents. <laughs> so strict with your girls. Let them actually make mistakes at home. Because the yeah. first three weeks of being there, Oh my God, Jesse! I found myself doing crazy stuff that I yeah, yeah that's how it goes. Yeah. In college. <laughs> and you're just like, I mean, now you reflect back on it. It's like, oh my goodness, this is all the stuff that people tell you not to do. Uh-huh. And I was like, no, I'm gonna check it off. I'm gonna go do it. I've, I've never, never done it. <laughs> I'm totally gonna make the mistakes here. Yeah, yeah. Mom, mom and dad are here. here. Exactly, exactly. And you were just given so much freedom so quickly. And mm-hmm. I mean, even now, like I have friends who are like, well, we don't, we're not going to let our daughters date, but you'd let your boys do it. <laughs> it's just like, come right. on. Right. Or, or their boys, boys are going to do it, it and no one will know because, because they have more freedom. freedom. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
exactly. Yeah. And it's like, no, why can you not let us experience this? Because we know we can always come back home in the exactly. safety of home. And you can help us um, help us just uh, journey into this rather than just mm-hmm. getting thrown in with no... Um, no limits like you didn't you didn't mm-hmm. even have a chance to put limits on yourself when you because you're like this is fantastic i don't have to go to class i can party all night <laughs> you know um, yeah, yeah definitely. definitely and then you know my first quiz grade was like a c minus like oh my god <laughs> like, how does that like, <laughs> <laughs> happen and you're like oh uh, because you didn't study or you didn't even go to class so I think in the first three weeks I really packed in a lot and I say three weeks because I think whoever's looking after me God and angel or whoever you believe in said "Um, this is not your path and introduced me to my husband oh Oh, wow that's cute and he he comes he's very studious his first drink ever in college was after the MCATs Oh, oh to celebrate? Yes. <laughs> that was his first time he ever touched alcohol. And you know, oh, that's, oh, that's so cute. Yeah, but that's ridiculous, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> For the rest of us normal people, yes. <laughs> exactly. Very studious, very grounded. Um, and yeah, and so he really helped ground me. And we debate when we started dating, but it was three weeks into college. <laughs> You're like, I know what it was. <laughs> yeah. He always wants to hold on to his bachelorhood. I'm like, dude, it's, it doesn't happen. So It wasn't that long. It wasn't that long at all. And How did, what did your parents think of him? Oh, they didn't know until senior year. So, so you so were dating, dating for like, for like three, three or four years? years. Yeah. yeah, they didn't know until senior year. Because, um, you know, that's how it goes. Like, you're not yeah, going yeah. to... It's, it's, um, they weren't in Atlanta. His parents are actually in Atlanta, um, but they were, they were transitioning to Little Rock at the time. Um, Mm -hmm. I think his mom suspected something because apparently, um, my freshman year I had a picture where I was wearing one of his shirts, but it was cold. So I didn't think much of it, but (laughs) she was just like, I thought something was going on because which girl wears some boy's shirt? (laughs) Very true. true. And I was just like, well, that was just cold. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so neither one of us told our parents. And I think that's that was how it was. Like, you don't go, Mm -hmm. you're supposed to go to college to go and become a professional, not um, go date. And, and, I mean, that's just ridiculous because you're supposed to. What are, are you supposed to meet, to meet somebody? somebody? <laughs> I have no clue. I have. If you, you don't, don't meet somebody in college, in college you don't meet somebody in medical school, you don't meet somebody in residency. It's really hard to meet people when you're a professional working person. Oh, of course. I can only imagine how hard that must be. Oh my goodness, I'm like I am fortunate that I I'm not in that position to be honest. So yeah, I wouldn't like. I totally agree with you. When would you have time? So. That's a dichotomy of the Indian and the Pakistani culture. It's like, no, you need to do all these. You need to check off the mark boxes. And then the minute that you turn 25, you better find somebody and start having kids because then you're going to get old. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then, then when you're 30, 30 they're like, so, so how, how come, come they're not married, married and there's no baby? Right. <laughs> there must be something wrong with you, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, no, it was, it was, we didn't we didn't tell our parents and I think that's more of the natural stuff now. I mean, I think for back then, I think it's a little changed now, but um, mm-hmm. definitely encourage uh, 
parents, especially the um, Indian Indian parents and the Pakistani mm-hmm. Pakistani parents, to please just allow some freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now, do you, you have kids? kids? Yes. Um, how old, how old are they? they? I have four boys. So oh, wow, wow. it's my husband's fault. <laughs> um, a twelve, a nine, a seven, and a four. So awesome. Yes, and I'm raising them as um, how the Indian culture might might do as they're raised as girls. So they do the okay. dishes, they do the dishes, they fold their awesome. clothes, they do their laundry. There, I mean, there has been times where I've had instances where we were like, well that's not a boy's thing to do her mark said to me and I was like yeah. Well, no I'm not their servant I'm their mom they need to learn this. right you know and, and their wife is not going to be their servant either no, no. Yeah. yeah yep I think they see it from my my husband was very good with that though um mm-hmm. there were instances where I went in and did a fellowship as well in the um ICU in the NICU mm-hmm. and I practiced that for 10 years and um my he was told and I was told that inadvertently that you know you should just now that you become a pediatrician you should just get a job and start having kids or you know he mm-hmm. should because he's a trauma surgeon he's a trauma mm-hmm. orthosurgeon so he actually yeah. did yeah. fellowship as well so sometimes it was like his fellowship was like oh well obviously he's going to do that but you, you should you don't need to go pursue NICU <laughs> so, right right yeah yeah you know? I, 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 yeah I can see that and it was just like no and my husband's very good about that he um I mean, he would change diapers and he would wake up in the middle of the night. And um, when I was a resident and I had to do 36 hour shifts and stuff like that, we all do. He would actually Mm -hmm. bring my son all dressed up cute um, so I could breastfeed him. Um, Oh, that's adorable. It was. (laughs) It it really was. And um, and he still does to the day where he can um, help out. He knows that I run the show mostly, so he always Mm -hmm. depends on me. But. Anytime I say no, he actually takes the boys to school Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. That's the set thing. Oh, that's, oh, that's great. Yeah. It's supposed, it's supposed to be teamwork. teamwork. Yes. yes. You're a You're team. A team. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And I think his example and how he's, especially on my, um, his side of the family, a lot of people mm-hmm. have gravitated and seen that, that even in their relationship, meaning his cousins and stuff, have found partners that, um, do that, especially the girls. And there's right, some girls right. that are waiting out for that because mm-hmm. they realize that it can work as a team. So right, right, and it, it exists. Yes, you just, you just have, have to find, find that person. person. Yep, 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 yep. So most definitely. So well, it has, well, it has been, been absolutely, absolutely awesome, awesome talking, talking to, you. to you. Thank you. Um, um, yeah, yeah. I guess your experience and your, and your traveling history from when you were a child. And you, and you ended up in Nebraska. Nebraska. I just think that's awesome. <laughs> oh, can I tell you one more quick thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was in Katrina as well. Oh my, <laughs> oh my goodness. goodness. Yes. Wow. wow. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't think a lot of people. So I did my training um, down at LSU and mm-hmm. I was six months pregnant and I was oh, actually oh, activated in the ICU, the NICU. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, I mean, I it was an experience. I think that's an understatement, but it was just the worst part about it is that, well, there's a lot of the worst part, but being pregnant at six months mm-hmm. and then the last day that we were there, the water shut off. <laughs> so, oh, no. And so as a pregnant woman, you got to go pee like every two minutes. Yeah. yeah. And the bathrooms were so disgustingly filthy. 
Oh my goodness, that must have been scary scary and awful. Yeah, I mean, it was the whole thing was, and then my husband was activated too, and you found yourself in a position that, you know, you finally decided to have, because we waited, we waited about three Mm -hmm. years before we decided to figure out when it was the right time in meds, I mean, the medical path to have it. And oh, yeah, like, yeah. Is this how it's going to end? <laughs> you know? It's just like, <laughs> like oh, we finally decided. <laughs> like, because you, you never know what was coming through. And then he stayed there about four days after I did. Um, he, mm-hmm. he in a different hospital. And in those four days, you heard stories about being snipers. And, and it was close to his hospital, too. And so yeah. it was just, uh, yeah, it was just an incredibly. Um, just oh my god, that, that experience will always be seared. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's that like sounds like quite an experience. experience. Yeah. So, but you made, but you it, made it through. through. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm gonna be on Oprah one day, having all these PTSDs about the the about Katrina and about Nigeria, and Oprah's gonna make yeah. me cry. Yeah, <laughs> you got a lot of stories. You, you need to write a book, book. and then and tell me when you write it, it. <laughs> <laughs> so I can read it. <laughs> No, it's fun. But you just definitely right. right. <laughs> no, it's it's fun conversing because then you can just get it out. <laughs> yeah. Thanks again for listening. Join me next time for another exciting episode. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at her am story. I love feedback. Send me an email at heramericanstory at gmail.com. Music courtesy of my husband Justin Rensing. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.